2: coming home for the Nets it's he's just he's been absolutely unreal and it fits that Nick Claxton is putting up his best career game in a game that felt like a real inflection point for the Nets season no Kevin Durant I'm just gonna take from what our guy SB said in the chat no Kevin Durant full strength championship team Golden State Warriors on the road who had rested players and you pull off a 17 point comeback it's it's thrilling to see it's exciting to see and while I do want to tamper some excitement in certain ways, and I'll get into that later, uh, I'm thrilled with what I'm seeing from Nick Claxon, and I'm thrilled for Nets fans that we're going to get to continue to see him play in Brooklyn. Be excited. It's
1: okay to be excited. I'm pumped. Like, I was excited to do the podcast today because I was expecting this to be a continued losing streak like we had last year, and every time I had to do those podcasts, it was like pulling teeth. It was like a chore, something I didn't want to do but had to do. That's the win of the year. Again, we've had a few wins of the year, right? Uh, (laughs) When we rested everyone against the Pacers and, you know, the backups did it. Everyone's like, win of the year, win of the year, win of the year. There's been a couple buzzer beaters, win of the year. Uh, Kyrie hitting the buzzer, beating in Toronto, win of the year. You know, that's the win of the year because you do it on the road in the Chase Center. And I love that. I love that arena. I love that court. I want to go there so bad and see it. It's brand new it's beautiful it's the home of the champions and that's the thing this this is the defending champions at full strength and the nets found a way to go in there and beat them and it was like they raised their compete level at the end of that game to close it i mean they stayed with them the whole game but uh you know it's it's a positive feeling as a nets fan because we had the winning streak 12 games where you don't lose for a month kd goes down and it's doom and gloom again oh we can't have nice things here we go deja vu And you get the refresher of no, it's not the same as last year. This is a different head coach in Jacques Vaughn, which you know, he you gotta keep giving him props, man. You gotta keep saying his name, you gotta keep giving him respect as the leader of this team, preparing this team, talking to these guys and not letting them go the other way. And then a ton of respect on Kyrie Irving. You know, we've been talking about Kyrie the last couple weeks. And at first it was like, okay, Kyrie, you're the guy. We've seen you be the guy. Are you Batman? Can you be Batman or are you just a Robin? And he shows that he can be Batman. He hears all the outside noise. Has nothing to do with Robin Lumberg. We're talking about Dick Grayson. <laughs> but yeah, so it is a good feeling. Nets fans should feel good because the Nets didn't let history repeat itself in a negative way. They kind of pulled themselves up by their bootstraps and got it done. So now let's get into it. Let's go back. Speaking of Kyrie, right? That game in Utah Friday, that like that is one of the games when you see Kyrie play like that, that's one of those games where you can't doubt that he's top 75 all time. You can't doubt that he's one of the best players you've ever seen. KD hadn't said a word about the Nets on Twitter. He came out the next day on his Twitter and put out the little highlight reel of Kyrie in that game because what Kyrie was putting on film was absolutely ridiculous the shot making the shot creation i don't have to tell you about kyrie irving you're a nets fan you're an nba fan you understand but he had 48 points uh eight threes uh six assists on the road in utah welcome home party for royce O'Neill. kyrie irving led the way uh he had 11 rebounds too he's one of the smaller guys on the floor he led the way against a jazz team that has kind of leveled out some, but in the beginning of the year, people were hyping. And that was a team that I thought could still beat the nets as currently constructed. Kyrie Irving has been absolutely brilliant the the last couple of games. I mean,
3: look, uh, we can run through Kyrie's career and dependability issues and, and whether he elevates a team and all the frustration we've had at various times, but one thing that cannot be argued is his talent. He is ungodly talented. I mean, he's so, he is, you know, by the basketball gods, He, you know, he is touched. His ability to create for himself the angles he can shoot from, the, the shot making, as you said, the footwork. I mean, it's why when you say he very well may be the most skilled player of all time, it's not hyperbole in the sense of forgetting like, you know, defensive impact and, and playmaking ability for others, but just pure individual skill. When you're talking the combination of layup package and finishing ability, shooting ability, ball handling ability, footwork, those things, Kyrie checks every box when it comes to that. And, and the, the challenge was for him to step up, and he has stepped up. So no notes for Kyrie for, from the last couple of games. I mean, uh, Hudson hit on it, Claxton has elevated himself into that role. You know, Kyrie's found him with some lob opportunities. Claxton is, is legit. It does feel like a third star now, maybe defensive player of the year, a potential all-star uh, who's only going to get better. I think he's 23 years old. So then you start to, to look at the team, and, and you, you as you get further in the season, you identify who you trust, right? And for me, there's four guys right now I trust. Kevin Durant, obviously. Kyrie Irving on the court, um, Nick Claxton and Royce O'Neill. Uh, Royce O'Neill ain't the level of player those other guys is. And sometimes he, he's not like a, a sniper where he's hitting all his shots, but I trust his decision making ability. I trust his effort level. And, and now he's, he's responded enough in the clutch. And then I also, Keith, to your point, trust the head coach who Jacques Vaughn is doing tangible things to impact the game. Not only does he have just the best vibes of all time. I mean, he's the most likable person, one of the, the most likable people on earth. But uh, on top of that, he situationally manages the game well. Like when he calls the timeouts, substitution patterns, the way he handled that hack of Claxton uh, in, in the, the game against Warriors. Um, the uh, uh, On top of the challenge he used in that game. You know, and even the challenge he issued to the team in the midst of that, that started with the response in Utah. So those are the guys... You know, and, and I'm not saying no roster. I think that's all to be determined, but that's the the core that I feel good about right now.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And if there are fingers to be pointed at, who is to to be given credit for what the Nets are have been able to do? Uh, really, only just over these last two games, but more broadly uh, as the season goes on, at least until the trade deadline, Jacques Vaughn is obviously number one on the list. Um, Kyrie Irving has shown uh, an ability to respond to poor play. We issued a challenge. I don't believe he's listening to the podcast, but who knows we We told him that he had to play like a Batman, and I'm not gonna say that, and he was playing like the other name, you know uh, <laughs> And he did. And he stepped up and he played like a first star. and And some of that was we knew he was gonna regress to his mean. We saw him missing a lot of uncharacteristic shots, a lot of shots that he normally hits, a lot of shots that normally fall. But over these last two games, not only did he hit the shots that he was expected to make, but he elevated his game when the Nets, frankly, needed it. The Nets, and, and this is probably the most underrated aspect of Kevin Durant, is Kevin Durant elevates the other players on the floor, particularly shooters, in a way that it's, it's easy to say, and, and I would say it's definitely arguable, that no other player in NBA history can do. The way he draws defenses in, the way he can open up the floor for shooters on the floor, it is... It's really an unreal and and underappreciated aspect of his game. And when he's not on the floor, the the roster and the rotation get shortened. If you're looking at both of these games, you see minuses, only minus in the plus-minus category uh, for players coming off of the bench. And, of course, Ben Simmons, who lives in the minuses, it seems, but regardless. We have a shortened rotation. We have a shortened list of players who are able to – really poor in points and to play in their roles when Kevin Durant is not on the floor and Kyrie Irving needs to make up for that. If the Nets are going to win games, particularly against good to great teams, as we saw this weekend and Kyrie Irving did just that. And so fault him uh, for how he played last week and as he deserved it, but he responded to getting punched in the mouth. And that's the kind of resilience I want to see with this Nets team going forward, because there are going to be a lot more punches to the mouth.
1: Yeah, I was responding to will in the chat. Uh, they don't want to, will. Um, but back to what we're talking about here, man. Um, that first, so Utah the, Utah the Utah game, I keep like going to say Utah, and I think about Utah, Watanabe and <laughs> they're the same word, spelled differently. But that game, Friday night, was the game that they needed because against Phoenix, it was like, I, I kept saying they, they waited too long. They waited too long to turn it on. Kyrie didn't wait. The team didn't wait from the beginning. They were ready to play instead of like, OK, we're going to, you know, close at the end of the game. OK, we're going to, uh, you know, take the game in the fourth. First quarter it was 28-22. Second quarter, Utah bounces back. You come out in the third third quarter, second half, 32-28. And then you close the fourth quarter, 34-23. So they had it all the way. They played defense. Defense is is big. I mean, I want to give some love to Joe Harris, but it's hard uh like I, he's we played want, better
3: i mean he's played do we better trust, but we to trust him long term yeah yeah i agree yeah, but, yeah I, mean, I
1: can't i i can't go back on like <laughs> exactly like i just i think we're past the point of no return from joe harris i don't think he's going to turn back into a 25 point player a 50 percent shooter from three he did shoot 50 percent from three in that game he was um three for six and he had here's nine a, points. Here's a question for you. Who, who do you feel
3: better about, Joe Harris or Seth, uh, Seth Curry? Because I think it's interesting. Seth Curry can create his own shot better, for sure, and score at a higher clip. But Joe is bigger and you know can guard a little bit better on the other end. Seth makes some careless plays and turnovers at times. Those are my, my two biggest question marks as far as like, the guys who are, are key members of the rotation and bring something, obviously, from a shooting standpoint that it is unique but that I, I don't particularly uh, trust fully either. Of them.
1: Yeah, you need both of them, right? You need shooters. Obviously, Joe's starting and, and Seth coming off the bench. Alex just put in the chat that uh, Joe Harris is 10 for 16 um, in his last three games, shooting from three. Like, it's better, but uh, you, we need more. And I know Joe Harris was one of the people that we put out there is like, you got to step up in KD's absence. <sighs>